0: No, I, I don't know. I'm still, still kind of getting used to this. Um, you know, when I was doing the announcements, I was sit there thinking, wow, I was kind of, I felt like I was fumbling around. And I, I had this thing going on, and I keep getting overwhelmed. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here thinking and kind of mulling around everything that's going on as I look out, and then I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do, and so, it sometimes is kind of hard to keep my keep my thoughts together it seems, but um, it's just amazing to me. Um, You know, we're talking about foundations and last week we talked about forgiveness being one of the cornerstones, or not the cornerstone, but one of the blocks in the foundation. And I'm going to just share some things for the next few weeks about foundations and some of the things we build upon. Today we're going to talk about Jesus is the cornerstone. And you know, there's, there's two things when we talk about that. We can talk about how Jesus is the cornerstone for our church. And then we can talk and think about how Jesus is the cornerstone for our lives. You know, the both apply, whether it's the church or whether it's our lives. He needs to be the cornerstone. In Ephesians, the second chapter, you can turn there. We'll, we have the words up front for you. Um, I look them up. I look them up. I don't write them out because Mary always said, if she'd carry your Bible, she goes, You go too fast, and I never get to it. So I've trained myself to kind of look it up so that everybody can get to the, where it is in the Bible. But in Ephesians, the second chapter, the 19th verse, it says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know, this, this Scripture, it says we're no longer strangers and foreigners. You know, without Christ, sometimes we don't know it, but we're wandering around as a stranger. We're foreigners to Him and His kingdom. We're separated. we're separated from Him. And it says, we're no longer foreigners and strangers. It says, we're not wandering around aimlessly. It says, but now we're members of the household of God. The household of God. You know, what is the household of God? Well, the household of God is His people. His people. I always think that, you know, when we think about church, we start to think about this church and that church and the church over here. I know that when God looks down, He sees the household of God. He sees His people, wherever they're at. He sees His people. And so we need to kind of get that concept too that we're part of the household of God. We belong to Him and what He has for us. And it says that this household is built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets. It's built on truth and it's built on teaching of those that have gone before us as apostles and prophets, those who God spoke through. And then it says that Jesus Christ then being the chief cornerstone. Chief cornerstone. You know, when you set a building, if you lay block and you build a foundation, the first stone you set is a cornerstone. If you set that first stone crooked, guess what? Your building's going to be crooked. Now I suppose good block layers can adjust, but you know if, if you set that first block crooked, it's going to be crooked. As a matter of fact, there's a house that just went up recently, and somebody didn't measure the distances, and the house sits like this to the road. Now it doesn't hurt the house; the house is probably square, but it, it's you know that first that first measurement that first stone wasn't quite right. And so I believe in the same way when you think about a cornerstone, it's It's that that place that we build off of. That place we build off of. And Jesus being the truth. You know, he's, He's the truth. As the cornerstone, He sets the standard for everything. He sets the standard through His Word. He sets the standard by how He lived. And we need to know the whole Word. And we need to know who He is. One of the things that's interesting to me today, I hear people that quote Jesus And what i notice is sometimes they quote him partly and a lot of what i hear in the world is well jesus is loving and he is and so because he's loving he just accepts everybody no matter what we do no matter who we are he just kind of accepts us because he just loves everybody he does love everybody but he doesn't accept what we do he has ways that we're supposed to live and ways that we're supposed to treat one another ways we're supposed to conduct ourselves and he is also just he's also just you know we can never forgive that yes he's loving and forgiving but he's just i i know we've had discussions in our family and uh there's some parts of the family that say well i can't believe that a loving god would actually send people to hell you know, like he's loving. And so how could a loving person send people to hell? That's because a loving God gives us a choice and sent his son to die for us so that we didn't have to do that. But it's not its not that a loving God just covers everything and looks the other way. He's also just. And so we need to remember, remember all those parts. And when he's the cornerstone, then everything grows off of that. Everything starts and lays on that foundation. And if that's if that's not there, then it's not going to work. In uh, verse 21. Verse 21 it says, "In whom the whole body, whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit." You know, it says that we are the building. We are the building. We're the household of God. In 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 16th verse, it says Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You know, it's important for us to remember, God dwells in us. God is here this morning because where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst. He's here because He's in us. We're the household of God. We're what brings His presence to this place. You know, I really believe before we got here, it was a building. But when God's people come and gather together, then it becomes a place of worship. And we are the temple. We are the ones that God dwells in. He dwells in us. He dwells in us. And so when we think about How does this this cornerstone apply to my life? Well, if He dwells in us, then we need to lay our lives on that foundation. Just like as a church, we need to lay our lives on that foundation. It's how we live. It's who we are. It's what we believe. It's what we're willing to do. What guides us? What motivates us? You know, that foundation. And the foundation is what determines that. And I believe it's important to have a foundation because when the storms of life come, they will test your foundation. Storms test foundations. You know, if, if it's not secure, if it's not built on a good foundation, things get really shaky. Things get shaky. Things get troubling. And when storms come, it does get shaky. It, things do come against us. You know, it's not like we don't have storms but when storms come we have to know that that foundation is secure and that's what gives us security it's peace in the midst of a storm i always thought it would be nice if when i accepted jesus as my savior that that would eliminate storms i thought that was a good concept you know if i do what god wants and if i do everything right and if i just do my best then the storms just kind of somehow go away. The reality is, sometimes it may get worse. The storms may intensify. Sometimes. But there are always storms. There are always things that will come against us. But we have to know our foundation so that we can stand in the midst of those storms. So that we can endure whatever comes against us. And you know, when, when... Things come against us. We have to realize that that foundation gives us security. That foundation is what gives us security in the midst of whatever it is. Whatever it is we're going through. And I'm not saying at times you don't think, wow, and you have doubts. You know, I I think that's natural. That's natural. To have doubts in the midst of storms and doubts when things are happening, like God, what's going on? But I also believe... That if that foundation's secure then i believe that we can know that we have that security that no matter what the bible says nothing can paul said nothing can separate us from the love of christ you know and he went through a lot of stuff shipwreck in prison you know i always think wow well, if i think i got it rough i just have to read about paul a little bit and i think well you know it's not so bad it's not so bad you know beaten left for dead you know that's pretty serious stuff So, you know, we have to make sure our foundations are solid and make sure our foundation is built on Jesus Christ. And who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that says He wants to be the cornerstone? Who is He? It's more than a name. And it's a lot more than a name because if you go through the Bible, I don't know how many, but I know there's... Places, we used to have a big poster and had all the names that Jesus is is given in Scripture and it's like two, three hundred names. You know, He's Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, you know. And there's lots of names for Jesus because I believe all those names describe Him to us. I'm only going to look at two this morning. and They're the two, I think, the two obvious ones. And the first one is, He's Jesus, my Savior and my Redeemer. I believe that has to be first and foremost in the foundation in our understanding, because that's where it all begins. In Romans the fifth chapter, beginning at the eighth verse, it says God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. There's a couple things that we have to get settled. The first thing is we have to have a need. And we have to realize we have a need. We have to realize that my condition, no matter how good I am, no matter how bad I am, no matter who I am, no matter what I do, our condition is all the same. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter who it is. There's none better, none worse. Some people think on the one end that they say, well, I've done so many bad things, God could never forgive me. That's not true. Some think on the other end, well, I've just done pretty good. I haven't been that bad. Surely God would be happy with me. That's not true either. We've all sinned. We all have one thing in common. We've all sinned. And we've all come short of the glory of God. And there's only one remedy for that. And that is Jesus' blood and righteousness, which has been given for us. God demonstrates his love for us. He demonstrates what his love is. His love says, look at those people, how bad they are. I'm going to send my son to die for them and pay the price for their sin. And that's the only price. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things to cover it. It's not a scale's. You can't go, well, it's pretty bad, but I think I've done enough good things. I think I can outweigh the bad. God doesn't grade on a curve. Doesn't grade on a curve. We've all sinned and come short. But He has forgiven us when we accept what He has done for us. And He redeems us. He redeems us. He redeems us from our condition and gives us right standing with the Father, our Heavenly Father. And that's, that's something that we have to lay as the foundation because if we don't have that, then we start to build on other things. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And all of a sudden, we'll have a building that's not built on the right foundation. The song we sang this morning said to the Spirit of the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's the Spirit of God that gives life. It's the Spirit of God that gives life. We don't get life from just being good or we don't get life from just trying to think good thoughts. The Spirit of God and the Spirit of the Lord gives life. And there's freedom. You can't make it up. You can't can't produce it. You have to invite it. You have to accept it. You have to allow it. You have to allow it to come and be a part of your life. You know, it's 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 just something that, you know, we have to surrender to. We have to surrender to. Which brings me to the second point, the fact that Jesus is my Lord. It's nice that He saves me, and I really like that, you know. I, I, I think that's really cool and, uh, you know, keeps me out of heaven, or keeps me in heaven, out of hell. <laughs> You know, so I kind of I kind of like that. And that's that's a good thing. And and that's not too bad. But Bible also said that he's Lord. And we don't always think about what Lord means. You know, we don't always think about in our in our society today. But Jesus wants to be our Lord. What is a Lord? Dictionary said Lord is a person or deity who has authority, control or power over others a person or deity who has authority, control, or power over others. Now, if He's my Savior, I just accept what He has done. If He's my Lord, now now I have to surrender to His authority. And I believe that that's something we usually don't always talk about because it becomes a little more difficult because now it's going to cause us to do some things in our life. And it's going to cause some things to change. In Revelations, the 19th chapter, one of my favorite scriptures, and I'll tr- I'm going I'm to read it to you. I usually get... I have trouble reading this, but I'm gonna, maybe I won't today. It says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it was faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord of lords. You know, a lot of different things can be Lord in our life. You know, you might have a boss that you think is Lord. You know, somebody has authority over you. There's different people in your life might have authority. But the Bible says that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Lord over all. He is the Lord overall. He's not just my Savior, but He's the Lord. He's the one that wants me to surrender my will to Him. He's the one that He wants me to give up. And sometimes that's the hardest thing is to give up, to give up control. You know, it's 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 not always fun to feel like your life's out of control. You know, but I believe it's at those times that we really realize that that God's in charge. That He is in charge. And we can trust Him. We can trust Him. And we learn to trust Him and have faith in Him and to allow Him to have control over our life. And then we start to read His Word and we find out what He wants us to do and how He wants us to live and how He wants us to conduct ourselves so that we can become useful for Him. So that we can do the things we need to do in our life for Him so we can learn to be good parents good husbands good wives you know the bible clearly teaches us how to do those things you know it's not like it's not like it's not there but we have to be willing to surrender ourselves to what he says and to his will in luke the ninth chapter the 23rd verse It says, then he said to them, his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and daily follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Deny yourself. How do we deny ourselves? Well, we surrender to him. And then we deny ourselves. I have to deny my wishes, what I want, how I think things ought to be, how I think God should act. And I'm willing to surrender to Him and trust Him. I'm willing to surrender to Him and trust Him to guide my life. You know, it's so easy to want to take control. It's so easy to try to figure things out. You know, it's not comfortable when we get to spots where we can't figure it out. We can't figure it out. We can't can't make sense of how things are going. We can't make sense of what's happening. And Lord, I have to just trust You. I have to trust You. And I have to hear what You're saying and do what You want me to do. And we have to be willing to surrender ourselves to that. Surrender. Deny ourselves. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross. And follow him. And let him guide us and show us what it is we're supposed to do. And that's not easy. That's not easy. It goes against everything we hear in society today. Everything we hear says, whatever makes me happy is good. Whatever makes me happy is what I want. Whatever makes me happy is what I need. We have advertisements thrown at us all the time saying, do this, do this. You need to be happy. This is the latest thing. You need one of these. You need this, you need that. Do this, do that. And we spend a lot of time on our pleasures. What what I want. And the most important thing is, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want me to do? You know, one of the things i found is so many times what the Lord wants me to do isn't always what I want to do. You know, it's not what I think ought to happen. It's not how I think things ought to go but I have to be willing to surrender to him and say okay lord you 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 do this I'm going to trust you I'm going to trust you you know it just like I say it just it it overwhelms me because and I don't know let me say this you know um, doing doing whatever we did I don't know what we did for sure I'm still trying to figure it out i don't know I don't know if that makes sense to you but I'm like, I'm like kind of still kind of baffled by a lot of things. And things happen so fast, I felt like I got caught in a whirlwind. And I feel like, I feel like I got caught and I didn't really know where it was going. And that's why I'm kind of overwhelmed by, you know, all the people that are here. Because it honestly wasn't what I thought. I'm sorry, (laughs) not that I didn't, you know, but it wasn't, I didn't have any idea. I didn't have any idea. And I don't know that because there's a certain amount of people that makes it right. You know, if you think about it, you know, if you do what God wants, what if only four people showed up? Does that make it right? Does that make it wrong? I don't think we can determine all of that. I don't think we can determine all that. Sometimes in our lives, we can't always determine exactly whether something's right or wrong just by what we see or how things go. I think we have to be settled inside of what it is God wants us to do. and We have to be to that place. And I just know for me personally that I have to make sure that it's not me. I have to make sure that it's not me just wanting to do something. I have to make sure that's not me trying to prove and I'll get Scripture to back up what I've decided because, you know, you've got to make it spiritual sometimes. So I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to get Scripture to back this up. Or I'm going to do this and then I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to bless what I've already decided. That's not surrender. That's not surrender. We have to be willing to allow Him to be in charge that He is Lord of all. He's Lord. Of he's my Savior, but He's my Lord. He's my Lord. And that has to be part of that cornerstone in our lives and in the life of the church. We have to get that settled inside of us because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know the storms that could come against us. We don't know what we might face in the future. I mean, it may be great. It may be whatever. It'll always be okay and good. God's gonna be there he's gonna be there and it'll always be okay but we don't know what the future holds and we have to be ready to know that we have the right foundation so that no matter what it is we can stand and we can endure those storms as they come against us in James the first chapter to the 22nd verse it says be doers of the word and not just hearers only deceiving yourself You know, we have to be willing to do what the Word of God says. Now, if you don't read it, that's easier because if you don't read it, you don't know, so it's easy not to do anything. But if we read it and we hear it and we know what the Word of God says, then the Bible says it's not enough to just hear it, but we have to be willing to do it. I was talking to somebody this week about Bible reading, and they were talking about reading through the Bible in a year, and I think that's a great thing. But I said it's more than just reading through the Bible in a year. It's not, it's not a game or something you're trying to just get done. It would be better to read and do one or two things than to read the whole thing and do nothing. And you know, when we read it, we need to hear it. It needs to be applied to my life. It needs to be something I can go, you know what, that's true. And I believe it. And I want to tell you something. When you make those kinds of decisions, the storms will usually come against that decision. You can just about guarantee it. Whatever you decide to do that you think the Word of God says, when you decide to do it, chances are you're going to be tested in that area. If you were having trouble in your marriage and you said, you know what, I believe the Word of God says that I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And so you, you say, okay, I believe that. I'm going to lay down my life for my wife. Okay, you guys all hear that? I'm going to lay down my life for my wife. <laughs> and I'm going to do what I believe God wants. Trust me, you do that, and things are going to come against you. You know? Things are going to happen. Your wife will probably test you in that. You know? You will be tested in that. You can depend on that. You can depend upon it. But when we hear it, we've got to do it because it's the Word of God. And that's a foundation. And we have to stay solid on that foundation that no matter what comes against it, this is what I know God wants me to do no matter what. And we have to be willing to do that in our lives. In Galatians, the second chapter my last scripture, Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. What, what's been, my flesh has been crucified with Christ. The Bible says we daily deny ourselves, that we crucify that flesh. I crucify my will, what I want to do. The things that I want, the things that that I think I need. You know, I put them down. It doesn't say we don't get things. It doesn't say God, okay, we're all gonna be monks living on a mountain somewhere. And, you know, that's not it. But I have to be willing. I have to be willing. And I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And sometimes we need to we need to realize that. We need to start practicing that in very practical ways i think i think god's very practical i think it's good for us to on a day when we wake up say lord guide my steps today show me what you want me to do and don't be surprised if something comes and changes your plans and if something comes and changes your plans don't be mad because you know if you like your life kind of laid out everything's smooth and all of a sudden something changes your plans Sometimes it's good to learn and say, okay, Lord, is, is that you? Is that you changing this for some reason? Is that you working in my life in ways that I don't know, that you maybe want me to go here or there or see this person or that person or talk to this person? That we can start to hear and practice in very practical ways every day. Every day we can be sensitive to the people around us and Listen. Sometimes just listening to the people around us and what they're asking. Sometimes just listening and and saying, wow, maybe this is something I get a chance to share something with somebody. But we need to start realizing that God wants to speak to us and guide us because we have Him as the foundation. And I surrendered my will to Him so He can use me, use me in whatever way that is. Sometimes that's scary you know, it's scary maybe. The Bible says I now live by faith. Faith is not sight. You know, I like to live by sight. If I can see it, I believe it. The Bible says we, don't walk, we walk by faith and not by sight. So I walk by trusting God. Not necessarily what I can see, but I walk because I know it's true, trusting Him. And we can do that. We can do that. He'll do that for each and every one of us. First and foremost, we have to accept Him as Savior. We have to accept who He is and what He's done for us. We have to accept our condition. We have to accept our condition. I know my condition. I need a Savior. I need a Savior to save me from my sin. Whether I've done bad things or whether I've been a good person, we've all sinned and come short. I need a Savior. And that Savior now wants to be Lord of my life. He wants to be Lord of my life. He wants to be the one that I look to and trust. I now walk by faith in Him and trust Him. You know, if there's anyone here this morning, you've never never done that. You know, there's probably a thousand ways you can do it. You know, there's no one way of doing that. It's a personal decision between you and God. It's personal. It's personal. It's between you and God. And you talk to Him and say, Lord, I really, I really messed up. Or if you're the person that says, well, I've been pretty good, you can say, Lord, I thought I was pretty good, but I guess I'm still messed up. Either way, we've all sinned. And then we can accept what He's done for us by dying on a cross to forgive that sin to forgive that sin. Then we can have a relationship with Him. Then we can begin to follow and serve Him. That's a personal decision. You can make it here. You can make it on your way home. You can make it tonight. I don't care. I don't care. I do care that you make the decision sometime. You know, I don't care how. I don't care when. I don't care what. You know, that's a personal decision. You know, we're going to have Um, Tom and Pam Zebold are going to come up and pray with you after the service. You know, somebody might say, "Well, I don't know. I just I'm I'm still not sure." Or maybe you got a question they'd be glad to share with you, or you know, maybe you got somebody with you you want to share with and ask, or I'll be around. Maybe you just want to make that decision on your own. But we all need to make that decision. That I'm going to accept what Jesus has done for me as my Savior. And then I'm going to be willing to follow Him as my Lord. That's my prayer for each and every one of us. That's my prayer for us as a church. That as a church, as we go forward, that we stay true to that foundation. That we stay true to God's Word. And we stay true to what He wants us to do. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank You for Your presence with us this morning. Lord, I pray that as you speak to our hearts, Lord, as, as we hear your word, that your Holy Spirit would just remind us of what it is you want us to do. Lord, help us remember that it's personal. It's between, between you and, and each and every one of us. So Lord, just help us to respond to you. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us. Lord, if anyone has a need for prayer, I just encourage them to come up and let Tom and Pam pray for them this morning or they can have someone else pray for them wherever they are. Lord, we just thank You for all that You're doing. And Lord, just help us to be faithful to You. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.